Seen from Mountain View. Now, Brother Miller, I already asked a few of these teens to be thinking about some stories about you at lunch. I'm going to sit with these teens, and I'm going to have, I'm, I won't even write it down. I'm just going to have the record button going on my uh, phone. Like, just tell me stories about your youth pastor. And then I haven't heard too many good stories yet from the Harvest teens about your youth pastor, also known as my brother-in-law. And by the way, you say, well, don't you guys get along? No, we don't. <laughs> Didn't you read the bulletin? Did you see what he said? He said in the bulletin, he said, it's my brother-in-law. He said, and I don't hold that against him. And, you know, he didn't choose me and all that. And you think he's kidding. He's not kidding. We don't even like each other. As a matter of fact, at, at family get-togethers, we sit in different rooms all the time. No, I'm just teasing. I love my brother-in-law and my sister, Jennifer, and then my niece, Reagan. Now, that girl right there, she is incredible. I wish I had that kind of energy and then uh, Ryder and Ryan, I'm glad I got to see, some, uh, see them and spend time with them. And to the folks from Harvest Baptist, some of you came last night and uh, some of you back today. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be here. And Pastor Schott, thank you so much for your kindness to my family, your kindness to me over the years, and your faithfulness to God. And you and your wife are a blessing. We sure love you and appreciate you. And I'm just glad I get to be here. I love being around teenagers. I'm telling you, it, it's awesome. Um, just this encouraged me this morning. I was talking to some of these guys in the front row, and I don't mean to pick on you too much, but maybe I do. But uh, I was asking them, I said, well, guys, you know, it was an early morning, and you're driving in the rain, and it's cold, and, you know, what do you do to, what do you do to get fired up? And I'm thinking maybe, you know, like some soda. Oh, no. These guys are hardcore on the front row, not soda. They're drinking coffee, right? One of our, brother, right here, how many cups? Two. Two cups of coffee before he even got to the youth rally. And he's 12, soon to be 13. And are you married yet? Yeah. Not, okay, all right. So ladies, you know, just want to throw that out there. But two cups of coffee. How many of you teens already drink coffee? Let me see your hands. That is unbelievable. I, I cannot even, I cannot imagine that. I did now, I'm just going to show you just how, how backward I was. I didn't drink coffee in high school. I did not even drink co coffee in college. I was out of college before I started drinking coffee. Now, now that I've started, you know, I'm an addict. But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. But I can't believe it. How many of you did not have coffee this morning? Let me see your hands, okay? You did not have coffee. All right, you put your hands down. How many of you had something good, some kind of sugar, maybe a donut, maybe some candy, uh, some, okay, all right, we got a few there. Three donuts. Three don't, no way, three donuts. Brother. Yeah, um, two, and a coffee. Three donuts and a coffee. Can anybody beat three donuts this morning? Well, yeah, you could, huh? If we had the donuts here, you could. Now, how many, of you, how many of you drink soda? Anybody drink soda in the morning? Anybody drink soda in the morning? I'm telling you, I can't handle that. That's too much for me. Put your hands down. But I will tell you this. We are going to have a good time. I've already heard the magic word. Brother Caleb already told me there is pizza coming. And can I tell you, if you're saved, if you know the Lord as your Savior, you love pizza. I mean, you have to love pizza. Uh, Pastor Shop, my wife reminded me uh, just the other day. She said, remember that time we came to New England in, it was in March with one of the singing groups. And we came here and you took us to a pizza place. And we, I think we were, Pizza Palace? Pizza Palace, that's where it's at. 
Brother, I don't know what it was, but heaven came down and glory filled my soul at that place. And we were in New England and we went to several churches several days in a row and they all took us to pizza, but none of it was like chain stuff. It was all local and it was all incredible. So I don't know what you got going in New England, but you've got some good pizza. And uh, I love, so I'm already looking forward to lunch. Hallelujah, I love to eat. But we're gonna have a great, great time. I thank you for coming. And you know, I was telling Brother Caleb, Sometimes I think we fall into the trap, all of us, that we think it has to be a big day. You know, I, I love Brother Miller. I love going to teen camps and youth conferences. And uh, Brother Caleb, I know y'all had a great time at teen camp and several hundred teens, and that's all wonderful. But you know, some of the best decisions that I made and some of the best memories I have from my teen years were from meetings like this. Because I want to tell you, God is not limited. God doesn't have to wait till a big crowd gets together to work. God wants to speak today. And I know God has something for you. I know God has something for me. I know God has something for all of us. And I'd ask you this morning, uh, let's listen and let's open our hearts and let's let God speak to us. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to, for, for you to turn with me to the Old Testament, Isaiah 39. Isaiah 39, and I'll get into the message and I want to share a, a few truths and I want to give you... A, uh, some words of encouragement this morning and then this afternoon in the final message. I'll uh, probably be even more encouraging and just more of a final challenge from this youth conference. Uh, we had a good time last night. We talked about our appointment and being ready to meet God and make sure you know you're saved. Make sure you're surrendered to do what God wants you to do. And this morning, I'd like to talk to you about some things that the devil is going to try to use to stop you from finishing your course. You know, this course, this journey, this race that we're on in the Christian life, it's not always going to be smooth. It's not always going to be easy. And that's okay. Don't get discouraged when things get tough. That's just part of life. Um, anybody here play basketball, play on a, on a basketball team? Some of you play basketball. Good. Several of you do. I, I love basketball. I played it when I was in Illinois. That was kind of the big sport. Uh, at our school, and I love basketball. The thing I did not love about basketball was the first two weeks of practice. I'm telling you, our coaches, and this was back in the day, our coaches didn't believe in water breaks. Our coaches didn't believe in breaks at all. Our coaches, and I kid you not, you're gonna think I'm lying, I am not lying. Our coaches, the first two weeks of practice, they would pull out big old garbage cans and stick them all around the court, and they'd say, if you get sick, there it is, but you're going to keep running and you're not going to stop and you're not going to quit. And the first two weeks of basketball practice, we didn't get to see a basketball. Our coaches would say, welcome to practice, get on the end line. And when you hear the whistle, you start running. And we called them, probably shouldn't call them this anymore, but they called them suicides. I mean, that's what you called them. You'd run to the free throw line and back and run to the half court line and back and run to the other free throw line and back and run to the end line and back. And that was one. And the coach would say, all right, line up again, blow the whistle. We would do that. I mean, we would do that for the first hour. And then maybe if the coach was generous, he'd talk to us, give us a little breather. And then he'd say, all right, everybody on the end line again. And you say, why would he do that? That coach, he must not have liked you. Well, I don't know if he did or not, but here's what the coach was doing. He was preparing us because he knew the season was coming and he knew the games were coming and he knew some tournaments were coming and he knew the fourth quarter was coming and he knew overtime was coming and he wanted us to be prepared for when things got difficult. And I wanna tell you, in the Christian life, 
It's going to be a, a race. It's going to be a, a journey. It's going to be some work. And things will get difficult. But when things get difficult, that's not the time to quit. When things get difficult, that's the time to go back and get along with God. And that's the time to remember the decisions you've made at youth rallies and youth camps and youth conferences and just to determine that you're gonna finish your course. And I wanna encourage you to finish your course. Don't quit, don't throw in the towel, don't give up. Anybody can quit. Those first two weeks of practices, we had some people that did quit. But you know what was amazing? Is they always regretted it. Because during the season, when we were having pep rallies and during the season when we were having award ceremonies and awards banquets, you could always tell the ones that quit, boy, they wish they hadn't. And I don't want to quit on God and I don't want to quit on the Lord and I don't want to quit on my family and I don't want to quit on doing what God has called me to do. I want to finish my course. Notice with me in Isaiah, Isaiah 39, I want to read a passage of scripture and I want you just to stay with me. I'm going to give you a couple of passages and we're going to jump right into the message. But here is a truth that God gave me some years ago, and this truth has helped me. And I feel like it's a help to some teens, and I feel like it's a help because it, it really it, it warns us about some dangers that we might face in the future. It says in Isaiah verse number chapter 39 and verse number 1, it says, At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, he sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. Don't you love getting a letter? Now, I know a lot of you don't do letters and you didn't know what a postage stamp was. According to Brother Caleb, you didn't know. But I'm telling you, there's nothing quite like getting something in the mail. And I don't know how you are, but when I get something in the mail, especially if it's around my birthday or Christmas, before I ever open it, I'm holding it up to the light. I'm wondering what's in there. Maybe, maybe a gift card. Oh, I hope it's I hope it's Dunkin' Donuts, you know, I hope it's something good like that. You know, you hope it's not like health food, you know, you hope it's something good, or maybe, maybe there's cash, or, or, or maybe there's just a note of encouragement, and, and you get a letter in the mail, how about this? I love letters, but I really love presents. Anybody else love presents? Can I tell you, Christmas is coming, can you believe it? And I'm telling you, Christmas is incredible, I love gifts, I love letters, the king of Israel, Hezekiah, he got some letters, he got a present, and they came from the king of Babylon because he heard that he had been sick and was recovered. Verse 2, and Hezekiah was glad of them, and he showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor, and all that was found in his treasures, there was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Now you say, oh, that's so sweet. That is so kind of Hezekiah. He took them on a tour and he showed them all the riches and all the treasures and he showed them all the weapons and all the soldiers. He showed them everything he had there in Israel and he said, oh, look it, don't you love this? Well, the problem was, this was the king of Babylon. This was a king who had an army. This was a king who might see something he liked and say, I'm coming to take this from you. And sure enough, we'll find out that's what happened. Notice verse number three. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said, what said these men and from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, they are come from a, what's that next little word? Three letters. 
far. He said, relax, Isaiah, take it easy, chill, don't panic, don't stress, relax, take it easy. They came from a far country. These people are never going to bother us. These people are never going to be a problem. Don't worry about it, Isaiah. And by the way, sometimes we think that the youth pastor is paranoid. It's like everything we do fun, the youth pastor's like, be careful for this and watch out for this. And we all know that pastors can be a little paranoid. You know, man, pastor doesn't want me to have fun and pastor's preaching about this and he's telling me I shouldn't do this and, and all that. You know why the youth pastors do that? You know why the pastors do that? Because they're concerned for you. They're not doing it because they hate you. They're doing it because they love you and they care about you. And Isaiah told Hezekiah, he said, wait a second. What did these guys see? What have you done? And Hezekiah says, oh, don't worry. They're, they're from a far country, even from Babylon. Verse four. Then said he, what have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, all that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Notice verse five, then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. And that's what I'd like to share with you this morning. I'd like to share with you what the Bible says. I'd like to share with you what God has to say. Verse six, behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. You know what Isaiah told Hezekiah? He said, Hezekiah, you have showed these people everything in the city. You showed them everything in the country. You showed them all the treasures. And someday, those people from Babylon, they're gonna come here and they're gonna take everything we have. As a matter of fact, the verse goes on to say, they're gonna come and they're gonna take your sons and they're gonna make them captives and they're gonna make them prisoners in Babylon. Now, time out. Remember what the king said? The king said, Isaiah, don't worry about it. They're coming from a far country. They're a long ways away. They're never gonna bother us. It's never gonna be a problem. Don't worry. We find in the book of Joshua, there were some people that came to trick Joshua and they came to trick the people of Israel. They were called the Gibeonites. They actually dressed up like their clothes were old and their bread was, was moldy and their, their shoes were falling apart and their water bottles were empty. And they came and they said, oh, oh, we've come from afar. And that's what they said. We, we've come from a far country. We just wanted to make peace with you. We just wanted to have a peace treaty with you. And they asked me, I said, well, where are you guys coming from? They said, oh, we're from a very, very far country. You probably never even heard of it. And you know what the Israelites did? They said, okay, well, let's make a deal. Let's have a peace treaty. Let's be friends. Let's not, let's, not, let's not hurt each other. And they found out after they made the deal, they found out that the Gibeonites were their next door neighbors. And you know what happened? They got fooled. They got tricked into thinking that the danger was a long ways away, but it was closer than they realized. I'd like to speak to all of our teens and all of our folks here today on just a very simple warning. And I'm gonna give you some good news too, so don't panic, don't stress. But I wanna talk to you about this truth that it is closer than you think. You start driving and in the side view mirrors, they got this little message on the mirror. It says, 
objects in mirror are closer than they appear. And young people, you may think that some of these things are a long ways away, but I want to tell you, they're closer than you think. And I want you to listen, and I want you to ask God to help you to capture these truths today, and I want you to be prepared so when these things come, when these things approach you, you're not surprised, you're not caught off guard, but you're ready. Lord, help us as we look at your word. I pray you'd speak to our hearts and give us something from the Bible today, Lord, that would help us, that would challenge us, that would prepare us for the future. Lord, I believe that you have so many wonderful things in store for these teens and for these adults. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be prepared. I pray that we'd be ready. I pray that we would be on guard. And I pray that we would experience your greatest and richest blessings. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Christmas Day, the year was 2007. Brother Miller, do you remember what year you came to Golden State? 06. 06. So it had been right before you got there. Christmas Day, December 25th, 2007. Um, I was actually back with my wife. Uh, we were back in Illinois uh, visiting our family for Christmas. And the next day, so it was the day after Christmas, I remember my mom was there and she was looking through all the after Christmas sales. You know, we were talking about coupons earlier. Oh, that's a whole nother story. My mom, she, was, she did couponing before couponing was cool. You know what I mean? I mean, she was, she was hardcore. But uh, she was flipping through the sale ads and on the front page of the local paper there in Illinois, which really surprised me, there was an article about a tiger that attacked somebody at a zoo in San Francisco. Now, I never went to the San Francisco Zoo. I lived 45 minutes away. But after I read this story, I said, no, thank you. I'm not going. This tiger attacked three young boys. They were late teens, early 20s. He, this tiger got out of the cage. It attacked three boys at the zoo, killed one of them. Two of them were injured. And immediately, everybody panicked. And everybody said, don't, no, 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 these, these boys, they opened the cage. That was their first thing. All these boys, they let them out. Then they said, no, they, 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 they aided, they, they helped the tiger escape. And there's no way that tiger got out by itself. Well, this tiger was a Siberian tiger, 350 pounds. This was a full-grown tiger. And it was in a cage there at the zoo. And that zoo had built that tiger enclosure in 1940. So this event happened in 2007. So the tiger enclosure was the same for 67 years. Now, keep in mind, this had never happened before. But on this day, Christmas Day, this tiger got out of the cage. Now, how many of you have ever been to a zoo? Let me see your hands. You've been to a zoo, okay, all right. By the way, I love zoos. I love getting to see the animals. But can I tell you what? If I think that the animal's getting out, I'm not getting close to that animal. If I'm thinking there's a chance that a tiger or a lion or something like that is getting out of its cage, I want nothing to do with that. These boys, they went there, and to be fair, these boys, they had been drinking, and these boys had been throwing some things at the tiger, and they had been provoking the tiger. But after they did an investigation, they discovered that nobody helped the tiger get out. The tiger got out of the cage by itself. It was about a 12 and a half foot wall and the, the uh, regulation stated that it should have been at least 16 or 17 feet and all that. So it wasn't up to code. But nobody knew because it had never been a problem before. But here's what they found out. That that tiger and that danger was closer than anybody thought. Now here's what I was picturing. 
If you've ever been to a zoo, you know this is true, but school groups go to zoos. I've been to zoos and there's like 25 kids in a line, you know, with matching t-shirts. All right, everybody come this way, come see the elephants. And I mean, I've seen that. I've seen mothers pushing strollers through zoos. We've been to zoos. We've taken our little girls and they're barely old enough to walk and we're going to a zoo with small children. I've seen elderly, retired people at zoos. Can you imagine that for 67 years, people had gone by that same tiger enclosure and they never knew, they had no idea that that tiger could get out if it wanted to. Can I tell you, those people had no idea that the danger in their life was much closer to them than they thought. Now, I'm not here to tell you stories about wildlife and I'm not here to tell you stories about zoo, but here's what I'm here to tell you about. Did you know you and I, we have an enemy. The Bible calls him not a tiger, but the Bible calls him a lion. And he is walking about, the Bible says, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's not out for you to pet him. He's not out to be your buddy. He's out to destroy you. It's the devil. Now you say, oh, Pastor Jeremy, just relax. We've heard about all this before, but the devil's not going to get me. I go to a youth group or my parents, you know, they go to church or, or I've been saved or I made a decision at teen camp. Actually, you're the one that the devil's after. You're the one he wants to get even more because if you've made a decision to live for God and serve God, you have become his number one enemy. He wants to stop you. The teens that are unsaved and the teens that are out listening to rock and roll music and the teens that are doing drugs and the teens that are living wicked lifestyles, he's already got them. But for teens like you at Harvest Baptist Church and and Mountain View Baptist Church, you are number one on his list. He's out to destroy you. There was a man, uh, his name was Timothy Treadwell, such, a, such a, an awful story, but he, he went to Alaska. I told you about the, the man last night that went to Alaska to photograph wildlife. This guy, his name was Timothy Treadwell. He went to Alaska because he loved the grizzly bears so much. He went to Alaska and his friends, they all warned him. They said, Timothy, these bears, they're wild animals. But he went and he took a sleeping bag, took a tent, took some camping gear and he went to where the grizzly bears lived and he set up camp in the middle of them. Now, let me tell you how, how nutty this guy was. He had a, like a, a companionship with the grizzly bears. His friends, they saw it, they witnessed it. They said, the guy was nuts. He would sing to the grizzly bears. They saw him several times. They witnessed this out in the wild. He would pet the grizzly bears. He had names for the grizzly in the wild. I'm not talking about tame bears. I'm talking about wild bears. And he would pet them. As a matter of fact, one of his friends said, I saw him with my own eyes. He took the bear's head and he kissed the bear on the nose, just like I'm not going to do. Just want to make sure you're awake. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. But they said he was, he was crazy. He wouldn't carry a gun. He wouldn't even carry any kind of mace or repellent. He said, oh no, he said, the bears are my friends. I love them and they will never hurt me. Everybody told Timothy Treadwell, they said, those bears, they will hurt you. Those bears, they will injure you. Those bears will attack you. And something happened. 
in October of 2003, they got a report. The, uh, they're in Alaska. The, the park rangers, they got a report, and they said, you've got to get there. Something has happened at this campsite. And they responded, and when they got there, they, they really couldn't find Timothy and his friend that were both there. They couldn't find him. They didn't know what happened until they found a video camera. And that video camera had captured the audio of the last 15 minutes of Timothy Treadwell's life. That first responder, he'd been doing it for 30 years. He said, I've never in my life heard something as awful and as horrendous as the screams. Timothy and his friend were literally, they were eaten alive by the grizzly bears. Now I want to tell you something. That didn't have to happen because somebody warned Timothy. As a matter of fact, a lot of somebody said, don't do it. Don't mess with them. Don't get that close. Don't fall into the trap that you think you're safe because when you least expect it, that bear is going to get you. And young people, I want to tell you, there's some dangers in your life that you don't understand. You don't see it yet. Some of you maybe think you have a grasp and maybe you do. But I want to tell you, for some adults that have been down the road, for some adults and from some, uh, some youth pastors and some youth workers and some pastors that have seen it more times than we care to admit, we have seen teenagers whose lives have been destroyed. And here's why. Because they get around the wrong crowd. It happens every time. I've never seen an exception. I've never seen a teenager that gets with the wrong crowd and they turn out okay. You say, well, I'm going to influence all the bad friends. It doesn't work that way. What you find is that you become like the people you hang around with. I'm not saying that you don't go to school and you don't go to work and you don't play sports. I'm just saying you want to be careful who your friends are because they're going to influence you. I can't tell you how many teenagers I've seen who've been destroyed from technology. I can't tell you how many teenagers I've seen get their lives messed up because of a cell phone. Because of sending messages that are inappropriate or sending pictures that are inappropriate or carrying on a relationship that their parents and youth pastor and pastor have said, don't do that, don't go down that road. But they didn't realize that the danger was closer than they thought. Timothy Treadwell, he was warned, but he did not respond to the warnings and in turn, his life was taken. Can I tell you, there are so many apps on your phones and so many uh, uh, things that you can do with computers and iPads and cell phones, and there's a lot of good you can do. But can I tell you, if you don't have some accountability, if you don't have some guards, if you don't have some guardrails up in your life, you will find that those things can destroy you. I'm just warning you, you won't finish your course when you get involved with the wrong crowd. You won't finish your course when you start doing drugs. I'm amazed in our area, I assume it's like this here, but in our area, I'm amazed at how many young people from good homes, they have no intention of getting hooked up and getting messed up with drugs, but they get around people that do. And almost without fail, we find that those young people, they ruin their lives and they wreck their lives because of drugs. Alcohol will do it. We had again, just, uh, uh, just this last week in our area, we had a young man, 20 years old, who was killed by a drunk driver. Can I tell you, young people, alcohol will destroy you. And people think, I can control it. Ah, it's not a big deal. All my friends are doing it. And all the commercials, boy, they make it look so cool. They make it look so good, like you're not anybody if you're not drinking. If those commercials were accurate, they would take you to the jails and they would show you people who've lost everything because of alcohol. 
They'd take you to the cemeteries and they'd show you tombstones of people who died because of alcohol or people who were killed because of alcohol. They would show you the families that have been messed up. They'd show you the people who are literally dying because of the disease that's come to their body because the alcohol has consumed them. I'm just trying to tell you, young people, you're going to have to make some decisions today to say, I'm not going to touch it. You're going to have to make some decisions today to say, I'm going to be pure. You're going to have to make some decisions today to say, I'm not getting close to the danger. If you knew that the tiger could get out, you wouldn't even go to the zoo. And can I tell you, if you knew how close the dangers were, you'd say today, Lord, help me to stay away. Can I tell you, the Bible does not say that you're supposed to fight against temptation. The Bible says you're supposed to flee from it. You're supposed to avoid it. You're supposed to run from it like the plague. I love the story of Job. The Bible says Job was a man that feared God and he eschewed evil. He avoided it. He couldn't stand being close to it. Can I tell you, there's some dangers. Maybe for you, you say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm not into drugs. I'm not doing alcohol. But maybe for you, maybe there's some relationships that are not right. Can I tell you, as a young person, stay pure. Guard yourself against the, 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 the immoral sins and the immoral lifestyle of this world. Maybe in your heart, maybe there's some rebellion. Maybe there's some pride. Maybe you think you're better than everybody else. Can I tell you, the dangers are closer than you think. We always think it'll happen to somebody else, but one day we're gonna wake up and realize it's us. Proverbs 29, verse 1, the Bible says, He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Number one, danger, destruction is closer than you think. But secondly, we talked about this last night, but death is closer than you think. I wish I could say that every teenager in here, I wish I could say that every one of you would live to graduate. I wish I could tell you with certainty that every one of you would live to get married and have a family and every one of you would live to be 70, 80, 90 years old. But the truth is that won't happen because we all know young people. We all know young adults. We all know people who died early, who died suddenly, who died tragically. I mentioned last night, and I'm sure Brother Caleb or Jen have talked to you or told you some of the story, but it may not be you, but it may be a family member. For our teens that are here, if statistics are true, your parents are closer to death than you are. And if statistics are true, there'll be some teens in this room that before you graduate from high school, you'll have to say goodbye to a mother or a father. Maybe some of you already have. There'll be some in this room you'll have to say goodbye to maybe a grandmother or a grandfather who have been like a parent to you. And you know, when that day comes, you want to make sure your relationship with your parent or with your relative is right. My dad, when he passed, he was in Illinois and I was in North Carolina. I was already out of the house and married and had children. But I thank the Lord that before my dad passed and we had no idea it was coming, but immediately when I got the call, my brother Joel is the one who called me and said, Jeremy said, uh, something's wrong with dad. He's collapsed and they've taken him to the emergency room. We don't know what's going on. And I immediately, of course, began to pray. But I immediately began to replay in my mind, when was the last time I talked to him? What was the last thing I said to my dad? And I immediately went to my phone. I had a, a record from our text messages just a few days earlier. And then I had also in my phone a, 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 a record of the last call I had with my dad. He passed away on a Friday. That Monday, we talked for 31 minutes. 
And I'll never forget where I was. I'll never forget what we talked about. We were talking about how Sunday had gone and he had preached and I had preached and we were talking about those things. And then I'll never forget the last words he said to me and the last words I said to him because that's how we always ended the conversation. I said, I love you, Dad. He said, I love you too, bud. That was it. I didn't know. I had no idea that would be the last conversation. But young people, that's why it's so important that you're right with your parents. That's why it's so important that you're right with the people that God has placed in your life. Maybe you don't have a mom and dad. Maybe you've got an aunt or an uncle, or maybe you've got a grandparent who loves you. Can I tell you, you don't want your last words to be, I hate you. You don't want your last words to be rude. You don't want your last words to be mouth and off. You don't want your last words to be silent treatment because they didn't give me my way. When death comes, you want to make sure your relationships are right. You want to make sure you're right with the people that God has placed in your life. Number one, danger is closer than you think. Number two, death is closer than you think. But number three, it's getting good now. We're, we're, we're moving from the solemn and the somber to the exciting. Number three, decisions are closer than you think. Can I tell you, when I went to a youth conference when I was a teenager, I had no idea that God was gonna call me to preach at that youth conference. I had no idea. I was willing and I'd been praying about what God would have me to do. But I am so glad that when the preacher preached and the invitation was given, I am so glad I said yes. Because I've talked to people, I've met people who said, you know, God called me to do something when I was a teenager, but I didn't do it. And every time, you know what those people say? I wish I would have. I wish I would have surrendered. I wish I would have lived for God. I, I've, I've got a man in our church who said, you know, I wasted 30 years of my life. And he's back in church and he's doing better now. But he said, as a young person, he said, God was working my life. I didn't say yes. I didn't respond. And he said, I wasted 30 years of my life. Can I tell you, young people, your life is so valuable. You've got your whole life ahead of you. Don't waste it. Live your life for God. You'll never regret it. Your decisions, your decisions about who you're gonna date and who you're gonna marry. They're closer than you think. Now, our dear brother here, you're turning 13 when? November 2nd. November 2nd, brother. Now, are you gonna wait till you're about 15 to get married or 16 or do you have any idea? Or are you just still kind of praying about that? No, you're not even praying about it? Now, here's an amazing thought. For some of you in this room, your future husband or your future wife may actually be at this youth rally. <laughs> some of you are saying, even so, come Lord Jesus, you know. And some of you, you'll not admit it, but you're like, yeah, I kind of think so. Kind of hope so. My wife and I, we never met till we went to Bible college, but once we got to Bible college, we realized we had been in the same youth rally together when we were teenagers and we never knew it. Isn't that wild? I'm telling you, I'm glad that I was willing to say yes to what God had for my life when it came to who I would marry. I'm glad I said yes when God called me to preach. I'm glad I said yes when God called me to go to Bible college. I'm glad I said yes about the decisions because today is the day, if God's speaking to your heart, today's the day to make the decision. I like what Joshua said in Joshua 24. He was talking to the people and he said, hey, you've got a choice to make. And he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And if you put your decision off, the, 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 the decision to not decide is the wrong decision. Indecision is always the wrong decision to make. We were, I don't know, uh, Jen probably won't remember this family and 
Uh, you might remember him, Pastor Shot. Do you remember um, Dion and Penny Kahn from Rockford, Illinois? When I was a boy, I thought like, I thought Dion was like up there with the president of the United States because he owned a McDonald's restaurant. I'm telling yeah, he owned a lot of them. But at the time, I just thought, how could, you, how could you own a McDonald's restaurant and not be the most important person in the world? Because when you're a kid, can I tell you, it doesn't matter what the food tastes like, what matters is the Happy Meals and the Play Place. You know what I mean? And as a kid, I just thought McDonald's was like the manna from heaven. And I remember we were at their house one night. They invited us over for a meal. And uh, they were so kind to my family. And they were good friends with my parents. And they invited us over for a meal. And you know what I'm thinking? If you go to the house of the guy that owns McDonald's, you're eating McDonald's. Well, I was in for a surprise. Because we got there and he picks up the phone. He starts dialing a number. And he looks at us and I'm like, oh my. McDonald's delivers. This is revolutionary. You know, I'm like five or six years old and he's calling and he's ordering McDonald's delivery. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And then he looked at me and my sister, Julie, and, and very just kind of matter of fact, he said, what do you want on your pizza? And I'm like, wow, secret menu now. McDonald's has pizza. This is great. He wasn't called McDonald's. He was calling Domino's. That'll tell you something. You own a McDonald's, but you're getting Domino's pizza, you know? And he looked at us. He said, he said, hey, what do you want on your pizza? I said, um, I don't know. And I looked at Julie. And we don't know. And now this was a businessman, super nice, but professional businessman. He put the phone down. I'm like six. My sister's like four years old. And he looks at us and he says, you're going to have to learn how to make a decision. He said, you will never be successful in life until you learn how to make a decision. Pepperoni, please. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I'm, I'm getting like a lesson in business and lesson in life. And I just want some pizza, please. Just order some pizza. But I've never forgotten that I was so little. But he said, you'll never be successful in life until you learn how to make a decision. And teenagers, you're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to learn to say yes to some things. You're going to have to learn to say, some, say no to some things. And you're going to have to learn to say yes when God speaks to your heart. But the decisions are closer than you think. Lastly, I'll give you this, and I'm done. Deliverance. You don't have to turn there, but there are two occasions in the book of Daniel. Daniel 3 and Daniel 6, where the Bible talks about people that were delivered. That word delivered, it means they were rescued. It means literally they were saved from a bad situation, and God put them in a great situation. Kind of sounds like us being saved, doesn't it? We're saved from a bad situation. We're on our way to hell. But God gives us a, a home in heaven. He gives us a mansion. He gives us an eternal life with him. That's what I like, being saved. But deliverance is closer than you think. In Daniel 3, there were three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those three boys, they were faced with a burning, fiery furnace. And they were facing King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king said, hey, you guys going to bow down and you're going to worship my statue or not? <laughs> they looked at the king and they said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But if not, we're not bowing down. And those three boys, they saw the deliverance of God. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think that they thought they were going to heaven. 
I think they thought they were gonna be thrown in and they were gonna be with God in heaven and that would be it. But deliverance was closer than they thought because they got thrown in the fire and they're in the fire walking around. I mean, they're like high-fiving and they're like, wow, this is pretty cool, man. This is awesome. And here's what's amazing. They were not only in the fire, but they were in the fire with a fourth man. His name was Jesus. And Jesus showed up and he delivered them and deliverance and victory was closer than they thought. I wanna tell you, young people, I don't know what you're going through, but I promise you, if we went down the list, I promise you, every one of you, you're dealing with some burdens. Every one of you are dealing with maybe some family situations, maybe some problems at school, maybe some problems, maybe you're facing discouragement, maybe you just feel like uh, you're not good enough or you feel like whatever. Can I tell you, that's normal. We all have those problems. But we know somebody who can give us deliverance. We know somebody who can help us with any problem we'll ever face. Daniel chapter six is the other example. It's Daniel, he's in the lion's den. And he's in the lion's den all night long. And they thought, he's gone, he's done, he's history. He has been eaten up by a bunch of hungry lions. But the next morning, King Darius comes to the mouth of that, of that den and he says, oh, Daniel, is thy God whom thou servest continually, is he able to deliver you? And King Darius heard the response. Oh, king, live forever. My God has shut the lion's mouth. You know what God did for Daniel? He did for Daniel what he can do for you. He can give you victory. He can give you deliverance. He can help you no matter what you're facing. Ye are of God, little children, the Bible says, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 8, 37 says this, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm so thankful that God is able to deliver us. My question to you this morning is this. Have you prepared yourself so that you're ready for the dangers? Have you created some distance from the dangers? Again, the, 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 the goal is not to see how close you can get to the devil. I'm gonna make you, you've been the bear and you're the devil, Daniel. This is a rough day for you. <laughs> the goal is not to see how close you can get to the devil without him getting you. That's not the goal. The goal is to see how far away from the devil you can stay and how close to God you can get. With every head bowed, every eye closed, my message this morning is very simple, but it's this. There's some things in life that are closer than you think. One is the danger. Maybe there's some teens here today and I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to speak out and tell us what you're dealing with. That's between you and the Lord. You might need to find your youth pastor later or you may need to find your parents later or talk to them. Some of you, maybe before you go home today, maybe you need to get on the phone with your mom or dad and say, mom, dad, I'm sorry. I know how I left the house this morning and it wasn't good. I know that I was rude to you. I know that I raised my voice. I know that I've been disobedient. I know I've been disrespectful and I wanna call and apologize. I wanna tell you I love you and I'm sorry. Some of you, that's the decision you need to make. But maybe there's some that maybe you're dealing with some things, maybe right now, maybe with your cell phone, uh, maybe with a computer, maybe with some friends that maybe your parents don't even know you have. Maybe you're getting into some things that those things could destroy your life if you don't get right with God today. Can I tell you there's some danger that's close. Death is close. That's why it's so important that you know you're saved and it's so important that you know that you're right with God. But not only that, but there's decisions that are close. You see, 
sometimes we think, I'll wait till I'm in high school, or I'll wait till I'm in college, or I'll wait till I'm an adult, I'll wait till I've got a family, and then I'll make decisions for God. If we were to ask all of the adults in this room, they would tell you that the opposite is actually true. The time to make the decisions is while you're young. The time to make the decisions is while you are still in a position where you've got your whole life ahead of you to live for God. But the decisions are closer than you think. And deliverance is closer than you think. Victory is so close. Maybe you're here today and you came to this youth rally and maybe in your heart you were so discouraged. Maybe you were defeated. Maybe it was a tough week at school. Maybe you feel like nothing's going right. Maybe you feel like that everything's out of control in your life. I've got good news for you. God is able to give you the victory no matter what it is. And deliverance, victory, is closer than you think. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you a few questions. We'll have an invitation. One, I want to ask you, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? I didn't ask you if you go to church. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized or if you have a a youth group that you go to, but are you saved? Has there been a time and a place where you've said yes and you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior? How many would raise your hand and say, I have done that, Pastor Jeremy. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand? That's wonderful. God bless you. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand. You say, Pastor Jeremy, I don't know for sure. I don't know if I'll go to heaven. I don't know if I'll go to hell. I'll be honest with you. I just, I don't even know. But I know that I don't want to go to hell. And I know that I do want to go to heaven. And would you please pray for me today? God spoke to my heart. I want to get that settled today. Would there be anybody like that? Say, pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm saved, but I want to get my salvation settled once and for all. Anybody like that? Here's my last question. I wonder if God spoke to you today about some dangers. Maybe God spoke to you about some decisions. Maybe God spoke to you about something else. But I want to tell you, those things are closer than you think. Uh, don't, don't stick your head in the sand. Uh, don't, don't go on through life oblivious. Keep your eyes open. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be aware. Because your adversary, the devil, he's out to get you. But how many would say, Pastor Jeremy, God spoke to me today in some area. God dealt with my heart. Would you please pray for me? Here's my hand. Would you lift it up if God spoke to you? God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. That's wonderful. You can put those hands down. As our sister continues to play on the piano, let's stand together. and We'll have a hymn of invitation here. And if God spoke, would you come right now and pray?